ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Paul Gallant. A radio show host called Paul Gallant. Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. Paul is next to me. I am Branham. It is a Thursday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Blankers, you didn't want to ask Paul to do that as a, as a guest of the show? Well, Jeremy, I already feel like we got one-upped because he joins our show in our slot and he gets a little soundbite from his open as well as just being in the open. I thought, well, it's... Anything more is going to be overkill. Paulie's already got his shine. Let's let him fly. He, he is working the show. That's true. I'm here. I'm just <laughs> lingering. No, you got your. We're happy to have you, but all of a sudden he gets the whole little, you know, little the radio guy named Paul Gallant. Did yeah, you? Yeah. You didn't expect that. I didn't. I thought Joe might throw in more flagrant Texans highlights. I'll be honest because we didn't really talk about the game after the game. I didn't expect it either because that was a traumatic moment in my life where I got canceled by the right, which. Apparently can happen. Was that your Carlson guy? Oh, yeah. 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 I took a nice old dookie down my neck. <laughs> it's great. Got death threats. It's fun. And now you do it, Tucker Paulson. What is happening? What's going on? <laughs> I think it's my favorite bit on the station. Thank I'm you. a I big fan that. of Tucker Paulson. Very good. I have no idea what's going to happen over the next three hours. I imagine it's going to be entertaining at the very, very least. I think so. We've always had fun, and you guys have always said it's the bees G. You and I used to be the BGs. Grade the joke. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven six. It's yeah. weird being in this chair in between <laughs> you two because I have to look back and forth like now, a tennis match. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot, but I like it. I don't have to talk the whole time. This is great. Yeah, you usually have to do that. Right. <laughs> you usually do have to do that. Uh, CJ Stroud is back. He has cleared the concussion protocol. Happened about 30 minutes ago. Uh, what I mean, they tipped their hand by saying he's going to talk to the media. They don't allow players who are in the protocol to talk to the media. Apparently, that's going on right now. Joe might work hard and turn stuff around if he says anything interesting. But he's back. Hope restored. And is it enough? Is it enough? Now, the question, I think, is it enough for what? Is it enough to beat the Titans? Is it enough to win the next two games? Is it enough to make the playoffs? One of you go ahead. Is it enough that C.J. Stroud is back? It's enough to make me not go to church in the third quarter like I did during Texans-Browns on Sunday. I decided to go to Christmas Eve Mass. And if you guys don't know, I'm a recovering Catholic who hadn't been to church in like five years so, yeah, I, I will watch the whole game on Sunday. That's neato. I plan to be there at NRG Stadium. I, I don't know what to make of Stroud's impact because, obviously, they're a better team offensively when he comes back. I, I just feel like right now, guys, the big issue is the very inconsistent, impossible-to-predict defense that has made two players offensive player of the week in the last three weeks, Zach Wilson and Amari Cooper, but also shut down Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, to me, the bigger thing is we know what he brings to the table. We know how good he is. But at the same time, we also know that it took him a little longer to get through this protocol. And so because you have long-term aspirations for your franchise quarterback, you don't want anything to happen. And the fact that he practiced yesterday limitedly, but they were saying he still has one more hurdle to get over. Thankfully, he got over that hurdle. You feel a hell of a lot better when he is behind center and he's doing the things he's done all season long. But there still is, for me, that lingering concern that if he takes another shot this year, 
Is it going to have ramifications that we don't want to consider after this year? Yeah, I mean, I think if he's concussed again in one of the final two games, he gets the Tua treatment. Yeah, I mean, he has the whole offseason at that point, you know, so that's something that would be encouraging, I guess. Um, I think that it, I think it's enough for the Titans. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far yet with the Colts. I think they can get by the Titans with what they have. Um, offensively, it's more than C.J. Stroud. Like, the offense hasn't been very good since Tank Dell got hurt, uh, which I don't want to get into the whole blocking in the box thing uh, with Tank Dell again. That's something I'm just not going to let go. Maybe I'm it'll be either. one of my New Year resolutions, but I thought that that was stupid. And I think we're seeing the lingering effects of not having the foresight of doing that. I think that Bobby Slowick might lack a little foresight sometimes. Uh, I think it's enough to get by Tennessee. Like, you beat Tennessee in Tennessee with Case Keenum. I think that you can beat Tennessee with C.J. Stroud, uh, with Nico Collins, and all of those things. I don't know where that's coming through. You hear that sound? I do. I hear it, and I thought it was your computer. Uh, there sounds coming through some something, and it's not my computer. C.J. Stroud is here. Yeah, He's I know. Just it's walking like, around the studio. I don't think it's that thing. No, the TV. It might be the TV. He's playing yeah. on the loudspeakers and like Joe's it's playing, an emergency alert. I think Joe's playing stuff in there and it's coming through, I think, in the TV, Joe. I thought it was my computer at first. Uh. And I'm like, no, it's on mute. And then I double checked again and it was still on mute. Uh, I don't know if they have enough to beat the Texans or the, the, uh, the Colts in week 18. And, and something that concerns me, too, is like, who's not practicing defensively? Like, yeah. what is the defensive line going to look like against Tennessee? Uh, I think that this week is a coin flip game. I think going to Indy. You have like a 40% chance to win that game. They, they kind of dominated you the first time they played. Now, it was a long time ago, but you also had Tank Dell back then. So I say it's enough this week, and then you just have to figure out a way to, to win that final week to get in. Yeah, I, I think you're definitely right, but I also think that the bigger question is from the Tennessee team we saw a few weeks ago to the Tennessee team now, as much as it's not saying a whole lot, I actually think that they – played better last week with Tannehill at quarterback. He's a veteran quarterback. He's not going to make the mistakes. He, he's not going to be the guy that you, when you read defenses and you think, well, you're playing Will Levis. He's a, there's a couple of chances a game. He's going to throw it to you. You just have to be ready for him to do it and be able to react to it. I think Tannehill has shown that he is at least a stable NFL quarterback with veteran uh, veteran resume, which means you have to play better and you have to be prepared more for a Tennessee team that's a little bit more complete than when they had Will Levis. It's still a 50-50 shot that Levis plays. That's not been determined yet. Okay. And there's, there's reports saying that they expect Will Levis to play. I think it's 50-50. Okay. I think it's a coin flip at the moment. Levis had his moments against you. I know that game was one where the Texans really held the Titans' offense in check. They sacked him seven times. But, okay, Will Anderson, Jonathan Grenard can't go, and the defensive line has issues. To me, Sunday's more about the Texans defense and I still don't understand what I'm supposed to say about them week to week because they are so up and down. Mm -hmm. It's great that Stroud's back. Uh, really, they, they they have a very good chance of winning the last two games of the season because Stroud is back. I, I really, though, I keep on going back to this yep. to this defense and, and I wonder what the status is going to be for Will Anderson who has missed a couple of games now and Jonathan Grenard uh, with the ankle injury that he suffered too. I, I don't think this defense is very good. For, for starters, I think they're a below-average defense. Whenever you're without Will Anderson, now you're without your best edge guy against the run. Yeah. Who knows if you're going to have Malik Collins? Who knows if you're going to have Sheldon Rankins? That would be a big loss. And who knows if you're going to have John Grenard, who is your best edge pass rusher? I don't think that's really debatable. 12 and, half 12 and a half sacks. Yeah. So you, who, and who, you know, who knows what between now and then. But if you don't have any of those guys... You're being asked to stop Derrick Henry with your backups? Like, you're being asked to stop Derrick Henry with Derrick Barnett, Jerry Hughes, maybe the guy you just claimed from Tennessee, and then Jerry, and then uh, 
like Kurt Heinisch, Heinisch Davis yeah. from the XFL. Like I mean, that's bad news. It's a recipe for disaster. We saw the first time they were able to stifle the Tennessee running game because they had Collins, because they had Rankins, because they had guys that could clog the middle and get into the backfield and make an initial push that made it really hard for anybody to run. Meantime, those guys on the edge containing it and making sure that they kept him bottled up. You take those guys out of the mix, and we saw last week, and yeah, Flacco was really good, and yeah, the deep ball was there. But look, they basically were were doing whatever they wanted for a majority of the game, and to Paul's point, it's one thing to say that, absolutely right, they've been up and down. It's another thing to say that when you take away some of the guys that have been responsible for them being up, chances are this is going to be a big uphill battle for this defense no matter who plays quarterback for the other team. When a team plays against the same team two twice in three weeks, I would imagine that a offense that was completely incapable of doing anything in that game, maybe that was due to their offensive line. I feel like maybe this is an irrational thought. They will be better because of how immediate that poor performance was against a team that now is missing players on the defensive side of the ball, too. Right. I mean, you elevate you elevate your offense just by the addition of Stroud. True. Having Stroud over Keenum is, is an upgrade for the offense. Singletary played pretty well in that game. Great. That was Nico was out that game. That was the first of two games he was out. So he's back. You have him. Now Noah Brown had a big game against Tennessee and it looked like he didn't play against Cleveland. I know he did. I saw the snipe counts, but he was pretty much a ghost. I don't know how that happened. So, like, on paper, and certainly you don't play the games on paper, on paper this offense should be better. Mm-hmm. You're at home yeah. versus on the road. Like, do you get a little bit of a spike because you're playing at home? Maybe. I'm not a big, like, it, the, the you're playing somebody twice in three weeks or the old adage is it's hard to beat the same team twice. Is it is it hard to beat a bad team twice? Like you you've seen the Patriots for years whenever they dominated the AFC. It was it really hard for the for the Tom Brady Bill Belichick Patriots yeah. to beat the lousy Jets twice a year? We're talking about my personal lord and savior though. So I mean a little bit of different. But I think that the other thing is just like NBA and back-to-backs. The, the one the one point that is worth talking about from that regard is you don't have to do scouting, put it on hold, come back to it and say, what are they using now? What are they using uh, back then? Do all those things. You saw enough of what their tendencies are. Did what, you though? What, like your, your game plan for who knows case Keenum Davis mills versus your game planning and seat for CJ Stroud. No, I'm talking about when you're talking about what Tennessee's going to do for to you, mm-hmm. you can prepare for that. You're right. From an offensive perspective, if Tennessee's planning for CJ Stroud, it should be a lot better but there were opportunities that Case missed that you could see were there, too, that also are going to stick in the D.C.'s mind to say, hey, look, I know some of the things that they want to run. They just mm-hmm. tried to run a lot of that with the guys that weren't capable of running it as good. We have a bunch of cliches in sports and a lot of coach speech this, that, that mean nothing. That actually carries zero weight. They have no value whatsoever. I believe this is one of the coach speak zero value things that you hear in sports all the time. Well, it's tough to beat a team twice. It's tough to beat a 4-13 and 13 team twice? Really? Or is it tough to beat a good team twice? It's like 10 and 7. Like, because I don't think it's that difficult to beat a bad team twice. Sorry, I just don't. Jeremy, this is the National Football League. Come I understand. On, and wins are hard to come. Yeah, I get so it. hard. I get it. Would well, you rather? Just, I'm just giving here, more Here's cliches. the thing. Would you rather beat the, would you, is it more difficult to beat the Tennessee Titans twice? Or is it more difficult to beat the Indianapolis Colts once? It's more difficult to be the, the beat the Colts once. Colts once, yeah. But, but at the same time, when you look at, you know what everybody likes to say with their cliches about how hard it is to win in this league. And every AFC South game has the, its own the story. The intangibles matter too, right? <laughs> if we're in the if we're still in the first six weeks, eight weeks of the season, 
there's still so much to play for, so many chances that you could still get in or turn your season around when you look at teams that started out so bad like Denver at 1-6 and six or whatever it was, one six out of 7, got back into it, now they got the debacle they got going now, but at the same time, you could turn your season around. But when you're talking about one, you know, two weeks left in the regular season, I mean, a lot of these guys are already planning for vacations, and, and that includes a coaching staff that might be planning to be elsewhere. So that, that plays into it, too. You have like like Gonzaga basketball. They're in that bad, what is it, West Coast Conference. Mark Few, is it difficult to beat Portland twice in a year? No, they beat them by 40 every time they play them. Uh, just the coach speak of it, part of it is just hilarious to me. You're going to hear that all week. Well, you know, this twice in three weeks, it's difficult to do. You don't like to, to do. press conferences? It's riveting. Well, well, he's injured. We'll see where he's at at the end of the week. Or he's throwing players under the bus. More on that later. Oh. 713-780-ESPN. Just getting started on what's going to be an action-packed uh, three hours. Uh, Paul Gallant. Is in for nobody. He's just here. I'm I just guess because we didn't have producers. He just showed no, up. No, don't, don't we reel the, the kimono. We didn't, we We're didn't. not <laughs> showing the contents of the kimono. We didn't know he was going to be here. He just showed up. Okay, I guess Paul's working with us today. They, they called me and said I had to work because I'm out of vacation days. You and me in the same boat on that. Blanker's just here because he likes to work. Uh, Paul's at Gallant says on Twitter. Uh, Joel's at Pac-Man Joel. Joe's not going to talk today. He's at Joe George on Ra- at Joe George Radio, though, if you want to follow him on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. It's not a Monday. It's a Thursday, even though it's the first day of the week. It's yeah. weird. It's bizarre. Uh, we do have Bad Take Boulevard semifinals to get to, which I'm demanding a recount. Joe didn't do something he said he was going to I'm do. A coward. I think the vote was oh, rigged. That's right. I think the vote was rigged. Uh, Kareem Jackson's back. What is the offseason wish list for the Houston Texans? We will get into where the. Uh, I thought D'Amico showed some stubbornness the other day, which I didn't love. But I want to get into the list of quarterbacks that have beaten the Texans and how embarrassing it is. And do we need to start blaming D'Amico Ryans about it? Also, C.J. Stroud is back. Is that enough? 713-780-ESPN. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. What is enough, and it's always enough, is Gentle Ben, vodka, gin, bourbon, all in that rotation for me. And Gentle Ben Spirits does it better than anybody else. How? Well, their revolutionary Persado technology eliminates all of the impurities for the cleanest, smoothest spirits you'll ever taste. Purification, Gentle Ben, unrivaled. You'll love what's not in it, including gluten. That's right. There's no gentle, there's no gluten in Gentle Ben. But Gentle Ben isn't going to brag about that. There's no gluten in any spirits. All spirits are naturally gluten-free. Try a sip of Gentle Ben vodka, gin, straight bourbon, cask-strength bourbon compared to which you drink, and you will never go back. Go straight to the source, GentleBen.com. You can order straight from the website. How awesome is that? If you're going to the Toyota Center, stop by Ben's Bar on the way to your seats. Grab some Gentle Ben there as well. Gentle Ben, the secret ingredient is what's not in it. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. All right, he's blank. He's Gallant. I'm a confused Branham. I'm gonna have like I'm gonna have to change my whole vernacular today. Like I don't know, like my my cadence, like what I'm saying at the line. It's just gonna have to be different. I think you're overthinking it. I do that with everything. You just have a you jackass sitting around. Skip fine. green 19 and go right to here we go. Omaha, here we go. Um, CJ Stroud's not changing his helmet. Cash or trash? He's not going to look like a great kazoo? I'd trash that. I think that's ridiculously wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you look at You look at Bosa did it this year. You look at Rodgers did it because he had a, a Bosa did it of in season? 
He did it. To, I, I think he it started at the end of last year, and then he got a, a better one for this season. Yeah, but you could. T- uh, um, Kittle does it too. They got that sleek front to it, but it's got like three different pieces to it. But Rogers literally, because remember when AB went through that whole thing with his helmet on Hard Knocks and the whole thing, <laughs> Rogers had gotten whatever grandfather clause that the because of his concussions to keep the helmet that was keeping him from being concussed. If you know your melon is is susceptible to this kind of thing, and there's a helmet that can help prevent the the impact, why why, why wouldn't you change? Yeah, I don't know if I believe though that it makes it any better, and I'm no scientist, but I mean. What it's been described to me as, essentially, your helmet is just an eggshell around the yolk, which is your brain. I mean, it's still bouncing around in there no matter what the helmet is on top of your head. Well, but some of the studies and the reasons why you see some of the, the different cutout patterns on the top of is that when it was all one solid shell, that the impact was more impactful, if you will, uh. to your head. When it's in pieces and there can be like a give to it, that it can prevent your brain from taking on a majority of it. I thought it just looked cool. The, uh, to his new helmet, uh, I guess, in, decreases the likelihood of a concussion by 9%. The new, the new helmet. I, I did a deep dive <laughs> on they helmets base that today. off of? Uh, science. Science. Uh, Thomas Dolby. Did you ever watch John Oliver? John Oliver on HBO. I haven't watched it in years. I haven't watched it in years, but it can be pretty funny at times. But you know, I, I don't that follow whatever. the Who's science the, anymore. He said in reports you can like you can you can you can like configure the information to whatever you want the re- report to be. Whatever uh-huh. you want the result to be, you can do it. What's yeah. the space guy that it's always Bill Nye? No, black he's the, guy, the black guy. guy with the gray Neil deGrasse Tyson. Pro. Yeah, he's yeah. genius. He's genius, but he also sometimes gets a little out there. Is he out there, or are we just not sophisticated Maybe enough we're not to out understand? There yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, I did a helmet deep dive today. I also did a deep dive on uh, Tua, yeah. learning how to fall, because mm. he was taught by the jiu-jitsu masters mm. on how to fall, which I'm actually buying into. I think C.J. Stroud in the offseason needs to learn how to fall. Not saying that it would have prevented the, the concussion from the Jets. I don't think anything would have prevented that. But do you want your quarterback to have the skill to be able to roll away from his head as he falls backwards? Or do you not? And do you want him to land on the back of his head? I think it's a pretty simple answer. I mean, but you want to try. But the thing is, is, is I think we all know this from little on in baseball drills when learning to slide. No matter how much you have all the greatest drills in the world and the mat on the floor that you... Some people just don't understand how to tuck a leg under and slide, and they look ridiculously stupid and hurt themselves sliding. There is a way to fall right. I mean, look, I posted well, it. I saw your video. Twitter today yeah. on Tua. Like, Tua, like, learned has how to roll when he's falling yeah. backwards instead of just falling on the back of his noggin. I want Stroud to learn that skill. Not between, like, now and the end of the year, but in the offseason. That should be an offseason exercise for Tua. I want Stroud to learn how to, once again, circumvent getting taken out of a game and staying in, seeing as he clearly suffered two sort of you concussions so? earlier this year. I mean, my God, they took him out of the field because he was dazed. I mean, he, whatever he was doing in those two spots, he was doing it right. Because let's be honest, these quarterbacks don't want to go off the field when they're getting their bell rung. Not, a lot a lot of competitors don't. Right. Like, look at T.J. Watt a couple of weeks ago. Tom Brady definitely suffered concussions in games. And, I mean, the guy came back in. I, I remember one against the Buffalo Bills in 2001. I mean, he got speared in the head while sliding. And it was like, it wasn't even a flag thrown. And he, got, he gets up like nothing happened. It's like, dude, you're on another planet right now. Favre did it all the time. Yeah. And Favre did it. And so, some people thought he was better off when he came back out of the, you know, off the bench. Because he was already not knowing what a nickel corner was. And just, you know, gunslinging away. Yolo. But, you know, obviously now in today's game, they've tightened it up a lot more. They pay attention to more things. But at the same time, and Jeremy had all the highlights, but when you go back to the three games in, in a month's time in which two of them weren't ruled official concussions, but when you look at it, 
no one would have questioned it, I don't think, if if you would have said that one or both of the other ones were actually concussions as well. He definitely took shots to the head. Like, at minimum, he took shots to the head. took him off the field, and they saw it, and, and I mean, they let him back in. because Twice. The, it happened twice it, in three weeks' span before the concussion. It, it's so funny, because they, they want to protect these players, but they also want the players to play. Oh, and for with sure. quarterbacks, it is that little dicey area. And obviously, against the in that game against the Jets, I mean, he looked dead. So, uh, yeah. they, were, they have to take him off the field in that one, but... I mean, you could tell him in those two games, uh, was it the Cardinals and it was the Broncos? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, where he basically tells the referee, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> okay. I don't think he went to the tent in the Cardinal one either. No, I think he, he was did, out for one that, play. But he came he, out for one play, He right? was out for yeah. one play. You can see him, to, like the TV broadcast, you can see him talking to the head athletic trainer. And look, I don't know if the, the doctor was independent or if he was a team doctor, but there was no way that in that time span they had time to take him to the tent. See, and that's where the story, like if you want to get 60 minutes or somebody involved in it, we need to talk to these independent doctors in the blue tent that are making these calls. And how many of them are buddies with yeah. the team docs? And how many understand like the real, are, do they understand the NFL part of this? Or do they understand that, you know what, this is a pretty sweet gig. And this, you know, I'm yeah. coming to these games every week and I know how badly, you know, I become a fan and I know I want that guy out there too. Yeah, it's 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 weird. Like, I, I've talked to a bunch of team doctors. I know that you have two yeah. blankers in your time with the Rockets. Now, that's not independent doctors, but you're privy to these conversations and what goes on. And, of course, you're trying to avoid the protocol. Like, which team wants their quarterback or any player in the protocol? No one. No one. No one, no one wants to put the fate of that player pay, playing in the hands of an independent doctor. So, if you can avoid the medical tent you're avoiding the medical tent if you can avoid the protocol you're avoiding the protocol now no one wants us to do the 60 minutes thing because we would be doing kind of uh right you know, a little we'd see a whole lot more bad football Strelock. yeah and we'd see a whole lot more bad football probably too because we'd see a whole hell of a lot more backup and third string and quarterbacks we know can't play yeah. i saw i mean like tad brown's brother-in-law i, I mean, saw a dude i saw a dude in college this year this year different team he took a hit on the very first play. Very first play. And I was on the field. And I was like, that dude's concussed. Because like, I saw him stumble. I saw him move backwards. Played the rest of the game. No one ever saw it, but except for me, I think. And I'm not going to go run to the doctor on the other sideline. Like, hey, that guy's hurt. And I looked at it the next day to make sure like I was right. Yeah, he was in the concussion protocol the next day. He got concussed on the very first play. Played the entire game. No one noticed a thing. Now, do they have the same independent They don't have independent doctor. doctors. That's what that that's why the NCAA. Yeah, that's why when you feel all that pressure, especially if you're, you know, quarterback, are you in jeopardy of losing your job? You want to play well, you you know, all these different things that put the extra pressure on the kid. And especially because he's not as mature as NFL guys, why it's even worse that the fact there isn't an independent physician. That's scary. It's 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 not it's one of those things that no one wants to talk about either because no one wants their best player in the concussion protocol. Like you don't want them hurt. So you try to avoid it. It's like if it doesn't exist, it doesn't exist, right? Like, what's the old saying? Like, out of sight, out of mind? Like, you, yeah. he might be concussed, but we're going to pretend like he's not. That way, there's never the protocol. Anyways, here was CJ Stratt at the podium a little bit ago talking about how difficult it's been to be away from the team. Everything that happened, uh, I wouldn't say it happened for a reason, but it's just, it was kind of something that I guess God wanted me to go through. Um, it was tough. It wasn't easy. Um, but... My teammates held it down as best as they could, and I appreciate them for that. And uh, now I'm back, and I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to just do my job again. I, I agree with that. Uh, the last part too, the case did his job. I saw a lot of case criticism after this Cleveland game. Why are you shaking your head? No, no, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's deserved. I don't either. Your backup quarterback goes one either. and one. It keeps your head above water. That's what no. a backup quarterback. You supposed can't to all do. be Teddy Bridgewater, right? You can't all go five and zero oh when your quarterback goes down. But look, he got you a win that nobody thought that you were going to get in the first one. 
So he already did his job better than a lot of people expected. Now suddenly because the Browns game was a complete debacle, you're going to put all the blame on Case Keenum? Okay. And garbage time Mills, right? I mean, that was the other thing. So there's a few Mills truthers that are still in existence. They they came out of their caves. Oh, by the way, on that, guys, because we take enough hits from our voiceover guy, I just want to let you all know, and maybe we can discuss this further however you guys want. Spence was doing his little... After the Texans 1035 Channel 13 stint, Davis came in for that time you're talking about. And out of Spence's mouth came, I still feel Davis Mills is elite. He's elite. And then there was a pause, and he said something else, and then he kind of realized how dumb of a statement that was. And then he followed it up with, I mean, he's an elite talent. He has elite talent. I'm going, why haven't we seen it? He He still does television? Yeah, I he, didn't does, he and Greg TV. Bailey do the Texans rap at 1035. Huh. And I was like, oh, my God, I should have I recorded all that audio because I'm like, Spence, you will never live that one down. Elite and Davis Mills, never. <laughs> I know they all went to Stanford. Never. Elite neck. He does have an elite neck. Elite, elite arm throw. So does ability. a giraffe. Eh. He does have a cannon. I he, mean, I mean he's, he can sling that thing 75 I, yards. I, you know who I, else does? I Joe hesitate. Flacco. Joe Flacco knows what to do with his cannon. I hesitate to call it elite. Like, it's a strong arm for NFL standards. Is it elite compared to NFL standards? I don't know. But, I mean, Spencer Tillman's the king of, like, an hyperbolic tank, uh, take, though. Remember when he said that Nick Casario is, or Nick Casario is the best general manager in all of football? Like, coming off a four-win year and before they had a three-win year? You just don't see the vision because you guys are racist <laughs> against the Patriot no, it was, way. It was the preseason like two years ago, too, when he said, this team has playoff aspirations and there is a whole lot of talent on this roster. Yeah. Really? Uh, who gives Spencer Tillman a microphone? Really? Really? Joe? Listen. He, he was part of the, the voiceover hire. I, I, personally, I, I like Spencer. <laughs> I do too. He's taught me some very, very important lessons in life. What has he taught you? Well, sometimes smoke goes through a keyhole, and you got to make sure that it doesn't because that's bad. Oh, well, if you if you remember on the preseason broadcast, <laughs> it was it was once a game there would randomly be a mention of smoke through a keyhole and apple in a roadmap. I, I I never understood the last one, but the smoke through a keyhole was I think to show something going through a hole. You see, <laughs> but he picked smoke through a keyhole. Because there's lots of keyholes in 2023. Who were the Texans whenever they were rookies that got busted for smoking weed in their Sierra hotel? Sierra Wood, Sam Montgomery, and Willie Jefferson. Was that because there was smoke through a keyhole? Must have been. There you must sure? have been. What was? What, wasn't there a rock something? Rock Cartwright? I don't know. Because he was a D back from Miami. I thought he was in on that. He was I, a D what? A D back. I only remember oh, those D- three. Yeah. I just remember it was disappointing because everyone was excited about Willie Jefferson yeah. in that preseason for some reason. Wasn't and that Rick's third, fourth, and fifth round picks all in the room? Like yeah. Well, Jefferson, I think, was undrafted because he was, I think, also in the same car as Josh Gordon at Ooh. that Taco Bell or whatever it was. Is that is that offensive to stoners that I assume they were at a Taco Bell? Uh, it might be offensive to Taco Bell. Actually, no, it's not. Is it not. offensive that Amari right. Cooper had to break his record for the most yards for a Browns receiver? Maybe to the Texans defense. a great history of that position. Speaking mm-hmm. of uh, the Texans defense, Ooh. the guy that leads them, D'Amico Ryans, he's lost to some pretty embarrassing quarterbacks. Let's look at this list, and should you blame D'Amico Ryans? 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Killer Bees with Paul on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. First, let me tell you about my friends at mybookie.ag. You should never listen to the tips I give you for gambling, right? Wrong. I'm going to give you free money. MyBookie.ag. First off, you're under promo code BET975. And guess what? (gasps) Up to $1,000. They will match your first deposit. And you can play with it right away. 
You know, you can pay off all those Christmas gifts that you bought by gambling. Hey, at mybookie.ag, you can bet on all sorts of stuff. Is this German soccer? I don't even know what this is. But you can also, of course, bet on things like, you know, the season finale of Thursday Night Football. Do you want to bet on whether or not Al Michaels will be sad during the game? You could. The Jets are seven-and-a-half-point dogs against the Cleveland Browns tonight, starring possible comeback player of the year, Joe Flacco. Browns, 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 baby. The over-under for this game, though, is 34-and-a-half. Okay, it's pretty low. I'm going to go over. MyBookie.ag, promo code BET975 for that awesome deposit bonus. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Honey Glaze Branham, thank goodness, listening to national radio is this close to blowing my head off. Uh, it's graphic. Uh, where were y'all yesterday, says Honey Glaze Branham. Uh, I was driving back from Norman, and Branham baby puked all over his car seat ooh, just south of ooh, Dallas. That was... Ooh. Uh, an eventful two and a half hours and into the into the evening, watching okay. all of that. That's Mil- fun. Where were milky, y'all yesterday? Milky and substances he's got involved. A, he's got a cough. It was it was right after his bottle. Uh, he's got a cough and like all the phlegm makes him gag. And yeah, seven ounces of Oof. milk. All and it was right whenever I went to like change his diaper too. It was brutal. Oh no! Where were you yesterday? I was flying back from Massachusetts. I had. Okay. A, I'm actually people's doubt. I'm an extrovert, but. For the first time, I think ever in my life, I was like, "Okay, I've, I've, I think I've talked to enough people <laughs> the last couple of days." Blankers. Oh, my I bad. Was, I to cut you off, Paul. I oh. was preparing for the arrival of my kids and grandma, and then picking them up because my wife thought the opportune time to pick them up would be five fifteen in the afternoon from Bush Intercontinental. Yeah, it's better than five fifteen. The best time to go. Not only getting there, but leaving. <laughs> yeah, was was an just an atrocious mess. I'd rather go at five fifteen p.m. than a.m. though. Yeah, but I mean, there's not a whole lot of people there at 5.15 a.m. True. The traffic would be a lot Tra- that's less. That's all I'm saying. The traffic, the traffic was would be a lot murder. less. It's terrible Joe? either way. Where were you yesterday, Joe? Oh, I get to talk? Yeah, uh, just this probably going to be the last briefly, time, though. Briefly. Yeah, make it quick. Trying to potty train my kid it did not go well. You picked it right after Christmas to do that. Yeah. Instead of, you know, wait for... till next week in no, the new year. I was home for two days. That's fine. That's Joe good. was Googling what takes the smell of urine out of carpeting. I was trying to figure out what to bribe him with. Candy, Skittles. M&M's was the go-to. M&M's, yeah, you give him a reward. And you give made, him a little carrot. We made some progress, but... There you go. Um, this guy didn't like you a whole lot, Paul. How do you feel about mean text? You okay with mean text? Used to mean text. Okay. Hey, Branham and Blank. You had the clown prince of radio with you today on the Killer Beast, Paul Gallant. Paul Gallant just told both of you about his fraud of a quarterback, his lord and savior, Tom Fraud Brady. Had fun with the clown prince of radio, Paul Gallant, for three hours today, Branham hey, and Blank. Uh, Gold football emoji, normal football emoji, clown emoji. I love how he ends with the emojis every time. <laughs> so this dumbass is a Steelers fan, and uh, I, I bless his heart. The, so you guys know each other. The Steelers are 4-14 and 14, uh, against Bill Belichick. Check, including this year where they actually lost to him. So it's it's okay. Like the conquered people, they should usually be quiet. Like back in Roman times, we would kill them, you know, and like put their head up on a spike, crucify them and stuff like that. Now now they have a voice because it's 2023. Um, yeah, uh, that guy texts him a lot, but he still listens. So how, I could you, uh, how could you argue that Brady doesn't have the greatest football resume ever, though? Like if you're, I mean, if you're a Steelers fan in denial. If you're okay. anything, even if you hate everything about Patriots and Brady and everything else, 
you look at the stats, you yeah. look at the accomplishments, and and I don't even want to hear the Montana argument anymore. We we've already all basically just been relegated to say, yeah, he's the greatest. I he, could uh, I could argue that he's not the most talented quarterback ever. Sure, but he's the well, most a lot decorated. Of, yeah, a lot of people. He's said the so. most decorated. Seven Super Bowl wins, ten appearances. If if I mean, and the Steelers were his bitch. <laughs> They were like of all of the bitches that Tom Brady had over the Peyton course of Manning his career was exact. Wasn't he was no, they, they went back and forth with each other. I mean, really, the, like the one team that never did a damn thing uh, against the Bill Belichick Patriots was the Steelers, which had a lot of talent, supposedly. Yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, welcome back, gentlemen, here in the championship preview again. Almost made me fall off the wagon. <laughs> what does that mean? What did I miss there? Is this a is this a sad Aggie who's upset about the college football playoff this this week? Where did we get championship like preview? We haven't spoken about that at all. Oh, you know what? I wonder if a it's lot of a, national programming or something. Uh, that's like that, got to right? be what it's national programming. Oh. Yeah, he's tired of hearing the championship preview. Oh, I right, right. That he's, makes sense. Yep. Yeah, that does make a whole lot of sense. Sorry, we just didn't get it. Paul smart, smarter than us. He got it quickly. Uh-huh. Uh, the Texans have lost to some awful quarterbacks. Yeah. Now Lamar Jackson started the year like he's probably he's betting favorite to be the MVP. He doesn't count on this list. Did they lose to Anthony Richardson or did they lose to Gardner Minshew? Or can we say both? Both. Richardson had two touchdowns. He played two, well early. Two touchdown drives. One of them started like the Texans 10. Say both. It helps your argument. Okay, let's go with both. Richardson and Minshew. Uh, Desmond Ritter was the NFC Player of the Week. Later was benched for Tyler Taylor Heineke. Lost to Carolina. Bryce Young. So Bryce Young's only win of the year. They lost to Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback, so I'll throw him out with Lamar. Uh, they lost to Zach Wilson and the Jets. The greatest game that Zach Wilson has ever had. AFC Player of the Week against the Jets. And in this past week, they lost Joe Flacco at the age of 42. That's a lot of bad quarterbacks that the Houston Texans have lost to. The guy calling the defense is the head coach, D'Amico Ryans. Should we start blaming D'Amico for losing to all these awful quarterbacks over the course of the year? I, I think it's a combo platter. I think that it, you can start with, obviously, the fact that this should have been a, an easy way to shut down some less-than-talented quarterbacks in this league. And you look at some of those games and just look at the concepts that D'Amico was trying to do in the Jets game in particular when he was just loading up zones and stuff and, and just saying, basically, here, take this, take that. And Zach Wilson did until it was too late, and you obviously CJ got hurt. But it's a bad look, but it's overall, it's the same thing we can say because in a lot of those games, too, we were questioning Bobby Slowick's offensive game plan and the fact that they weren't taking advantage on the other side of the ball of a team that they should probably have had success with, too. It's a combo platter with all of the above involved, but it starts with your head coach and your defensive coordinator, and if two of the three are occupied by one name, yeah, he should be definitely scrutinized for that. Also, keep in mind, Baker Mayfield looked pretty good against them as well. I don't know if it was a game to write home about necessarily, but for Baker Mayfield in 2023, that's pretty damn good. Easy and- now. He ripped the Packers a new one. Four <laughs> touchdowns and three fifty. And, and, and the other thing is, too, I mean, look, look, the Jaguars have lost five of seven, mm-hmm. and you're one of the teams that they beat. And I look at Trevor Lawrence, and I, I mean, I think he's above average to good, but I, I don't think that he is this prince that was promised, like a lot of people were thinking he would be. So whatever it is, it has to be. D'Amico's in charge of the entire defense, and if he's the, a defensive-minded coach, you, you got to put it on him. I suppose you could put it more on Matt Burke, but, I mean, this is a team that defensively has talent, right? We thought Jalen Petrie was great last season. Derek Stingley is playing well this season. Steven Nelson's pretty capable as a number 2 corner, I get it. The linebacking core maybe isn't that talented, but they've been better this year. Blake Cashman and, and Christian Harris have been good. Like, the pieces are there. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if the pieces are there to be a great defense, but the pieces are there to not look like complete ass against quarterbacks like the ones you just listed. I don't I, – I would uh, – there's something I wanted to push back on, but I couldn't remember what you – oh, yeah. Why would you, why would you put blame on Burke? 
I'm just saying he's the defensive coordinator. Sure, but he's so, not calling plays. Well, but at the same time, they're having meetings all week. I mean, they're talking about it. He, he's not the only voice in the room to meet. He's not I mean, the head of the snake. No, but that's why I said you start there. But there are, there's plenty of blame to go around. Okay. Um, the second thing I would say is I feel like the production versus the criticism is, an, is a ratio that is not balanced. Because if this was just Joe Schmo, defensive coordinator, let's say D'Amico wasn't calling plays. It was Matt Burke calling the plays. Don't you think the criticism we would hear in this city would be far greater for this list of quarterbacks they've lost to or they've had lack of production against versus it being D'Amico? I feel like D'Amico's getting a pass here. Maybe because it's first-year head coach. Maybe because he's lovable. Maybe because it's he's first-year head coach and he's won games. Certainly. But the production that they've had defensively does not equal the criticism that he should be getting for a lack of defensive production. Take it a step further, because I don't disagree with you, but I would say this. One of the reasons why he's not catching more is because of the overall success of the team, because of the fact that this was so unexpected, and yes, those were ugly losses, and yes, that was a lot to, to point fingers at in terms of bad teams you should have beaten. When you're sitting here talking about a team that could still win the division and make the playoffs, when a lot of us, including myself, and I start there by saying I thought they were going to win four games, there, uh, people forgive a lot because of the fact that they are still in the mix and they're having such fun watching their team again. Yeah, they're better than they were the last two years. So there, there's definitely some grace for D'Amico because of that. And maybe next year it changes a little bit. But, I mean, it's been a consistent theme all season long. Like You can't really explain all of these other than, hey, it's got to be largely due to the people that are drawing this stuff up. Because I, I do think they're more talented on the defensive side of things this year. And their offense has been helping out the defense more than in years past where the defense had no help whatsoever from the Lovey Smith, David Culliera offenses. Where, where I think that D'Amico has excelled in, where I think he's been great, and I, I do put value in this, and I think it's very tangible, is culture stuff. Uh, I think the culture stuff, D'Amico has turned around like that, and I think he's really good at it. I, I think that you, I mean, look at the culture of this year's team versus the past year's team, and it's not just because they're winning football games. But I don't think that he's getting enough blame for the defensive performance of what we've seen from the Texans. If the Texans were average defensively, they probably already have double-digit wins. This is a team that is carried by its offense. Before C.J. Stroud got hurt, they were a top-10 offense. They're in the bottom 10 in the NFL defensively. Yet, your head coach is the one calling the defensive plays and is lost to a list of quarterbacks that includes Desmond Ritter, Gardner Minshew, slash Anthony Richardson, uh, Bryce Young's only victory, Zach Wilson was the player of the week, Joe Flacco was amazing, so amazing that his wide receiver was the player of the week. Texans have been responsible for three players of the week, uh, by the way. They've been carried by the offense. I don't think that the ratio of D'Amico criticism is nearly where it should be. I think it should be more, too. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I'd also ask the question, where defensively would you point most of the blame on as far as the players sure. on the field? I don't think that they're very good in coverage. Like yeah. I, like the linebackers you mentioned, I think Cashman's solid in coverage. I think Harris is good when he's getting downhill. I think he's awful in coverage. I think we overrate the secondary, at least from a safety position. Safety's have been awful. Stingley's, Stingley's really, really good. And I agree with you about Steven Nelson. Like, he's a good football player. I think the safety production on this team has been one of the worst in the league. Yeah, Jimmy Ward benched. has been a massive disappointment, That what, and he's been hurt the entire year. And even when he plays, you're looking at him a lot of times going, what the hell are you doing, bro? And, and, you know, and, Petrie, and he's been their best safety, I would argue. Yeah, and then you're right, because uh, to follow that up, when you look at the two best players that everybody thought coming off a really bad team a year ago were Pierce and Petrie. 
Well, when you put them around really good players on a team that looks like a really good football team, they suddenly not only are the best player on offense and defense, but they're you're, they're making you question whether they should have been getting all the accolades that they got in the first place when playing with a really good football team. So you look at all those things, and I think that all of us looked at that Carolina game in particular and said, look, we know the Jets had a good defense. We know that you know Atlanta had a better than a lot of people thought defense. We had some defenses that were there. But at the same time, we all keep looking at that Carolina game going offensively. What the hell were you guys doing? Because the defense can only do so much, and then you got to score points. And you're right. You are driven by your offense. But that's why I said there's enough blame to go around because Bobby Slowick's game plan for those games, and particularly the Carolina game, was awful. A-Bar says uh, the Panthers have two wins. That's my bad. I forgot that 9-7 victory they had against Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. That's on me. I'll take the L there. Seven, that was one, the big three. seventh inning. They got a grand <laughs> slam and, and when they needed it. Seven one three seven eight zero espn Should the criticism of D'Amico be greater for what this Texans defense has done and the quarterbacks they've lost to? Also, I thought D'Amico showed some stubbornness. Look, this is our first show of the week. I thought he showed some stubbornness in the game this past Sunday. And I thought he kind of blasted his team a bit. And it, it, it rubbed me the wrong way. I'll tell you what it was when we return. So Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros' last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Biggio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Berkman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Paul, do you remember uh, Sean Barry? I do not. Do you remember Derek Bell? Derek Bell, that sounds like a name. Yeah. You remember the prank that they uh, yeah, was... Joe Carter played on a teammate in Toronto? What did he do? Well, he grabbed, well, it was against Derek Bell. The prank was on Derek Bell. I think it must have been a young player. Maybe he's a rookie, even. They, were, they pretended to do a truck giveaway okay and joe carter drove Derek bell's truck into the sky dome and that was the truck and the video of Derek bell's face looking at it going wait a yeah. minute that's my car was pretty priceless yeah i guess you weren't in houston yet with uh Derek bell killer b back in like the black or not the black like it was the navy blue and gold astrodome yeah era. I, I feel like i remember him but i remember him from ken griffey jr baseball yeah, featuring ken griffey jr yeah, for everybody the else 64 names no, they had everybody then. I think Carl Everett was on those Astros teams, oh, yeah. too. Carl Everett was a favorite of mine in Boston. Actually. He's a hothead. Uh, he didn't believe in dinosaurs. He doesn't believe in dinosaurs. Uh, headbutted an umpire. I loved him. I went <laughs> to this, love Carl greatest Carl, You'll love this. Greatest Carl Everett story that I can remember. I was playing in the Sunshine Kids golf tournament. Car, it's, it's 100 degrees outside. Carl Everett shows up with a golf sweater vest and nothing else underneath <laughs> it. He was wearing shorts and a golf sweater vest, and he was ready for 18. That's I like hilarious. It. I loved Carl Everett. He was, he was entertaining. Seven one three seven eight zero espn We'll get into the D'Amico stubbornness in just a moment, but Andy uh, is calling in. He wants to talk about D'Amico. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Andy, you're in the hive with the bees and Paul. What's up, Andy? I was talking about D'Amico and Slovak. You're dead right on that Carolina Panther game. It was embarrassing. They ran the ball 28 times, and CJ threw it 24. Mm-hmm. How, how ridiculous is that? There's three things that killed me about Slovak this year. First, not getting Tank Bell involved early, right out, of the, right out of the gate in the game one and two. Game two, he finally got him going. But game one, he didn't even start. It was ridiculous. We all saw the potential in Tank Bell. And, and it, it's just it's crazy. And then he runs 28 times against the Panthers. And then 
The other one is he doesn't throw enough slant patterns to Nico Collins. And you've got to use his size, especially around the end zone. Now, D'Amico, I don't know what D'Amico's issue is. If he doesn't look, we find out what happens when you get don't get a pass rush against mediocre or, or bad quarterbacks. Look at Ritter. That's career ever game against us. We didn't touch him hardly the whole game. Didn't touch him. Look at Wilson. We hardly touched him the whole game. Best game ever for him. I mean, he's terrible. They should have blitzed him 80% of the time. Same thing with Ritter. Appreciate the call, Andy. I, Andy went into Slowick too. Andy doesn't love the way that this team is coached. I, I agree with a lot of what Andy said. I like Slowick more than it sounds like Andy does. Uh, I do think Slowick gets super cute at times, though. And, and maybe a little careless, cute. too. I, ahead, I would completely agree. I, I think we've seen a couple of those cutesy plays, like what, the Steven Sims a couple of weeks ago? What the hell was that? He sucks. Steven Sims sucks. <laughs> He's really bad. It's weird that we go back from one week, everyone loves Bobby Sloan. Oh, it's going to stink when he goes up and coaches another team, too. Ah, this guy sucks. I hope he dies. Like, can we make up our mind? And maybe there's like a level middle ground there. Like, he's he's a, he's an adequate offensive coordinator. I don't know. That's well, where but, I'm at. But, I mean, he's an adequate Again, OC. guys, let's think about what we're talking about. Like, because of the fact that we're a product of a winning team right now, a team that's had a lot more success than we anticipated, Suddenly, we're forgetting about the fact this is Bobby Sloak's first time calling plays. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that D'Amico's been a head coach. Mm-hmm. you got a first-time quarterback that's obviously been kicking ass. But at the same time, we said all along there was going to be growing pains. There were going to be bumps in the road. There were going to be potholes. You were going to have to endure some mistakes along the way. But because winning cures all ills, suddenly it isn't as bad as it could have been because – God forbid this team doesn't have the record that it has in the position that it's in. There'd be a lot more personal attacks on those guys, maybe obviously minus Stroud. That's why I'm where I'm at. I don't have, I guess, the gusto to be upset about these struggles because, I mean, they're doing a lot better than we would have expected. And I think I think next year the conversation will change if, if some of these still are happening. These, these problems, whether it's struggling against crap QBs or it's the weird uh, acuteness with which Bobby Slowick sometimes operates in this offense. The, the the cuteness that I like stood out to me the other day in the and look you probably weren't going to be Cleveland no matter what number one defense in the Platoon NFL. Quarterback. It wasn't even that like I think there's times for it. I think there's times where you can do that and, and you could tell that they were trying to set up something with Davis Mills like you could tell they were trying to set up the shot play they wasn't there check down. The problem that I had with going with an RPO with Davis Mills was it was after you picked up some chunk yards. Like, you were actually yeah. moving the ball. You had a couple of first downs. In a day where first downs were hard to come by, you had a couple of first downs, you bring in Davis Mills, and then it immediately stalls. Like, if you're going to do that, that's like first play of a drive trying to spark something, not to continue something that's rolling. And you know what's interesting in, in all this is, guys? I was watching Green Bay. Obviously, shocker. I was watching Green Bay play. And and obviously Lafleur is also a product of the Shanahan system. To Jeremy's point, which I've noticed multiple times, and we just got done talking about the Texans have done it on multiple occasions. When they have chunk plays, they have a drive going. It's a sustained drive. They're moving the ball, and then all of a sudden on first down, they try a gadget play, and then they try it again the next drive in the red zone or in another situation where they've been gaining momentum. Lafleur did the same thing, and it took him out of field goal range once. It took him out of uh, out of the red zone a second time. And I'm like, is this a product of the Shanahan system? Like maybe one of the little wrinkles is. Catch the team when it's sleeping because you're driving. They're really overemphasizing stopping the run or stopping the pass. And suddenly you're going to go gadget and catch them for a gash play that gets a score. And instead, all I've seen it do is set the team back and take them away from potential opportunities to score. 
He tried to throw a, a pass to Laramie Tunsil, like in a first and goal from the two situation. You have a top 10 offense with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Do you want a trick play, or do you want just one of the top quarterbacks in the league in a top 10 offense running a normal play? Like, trick, like, I don't like trick plays in general. Like, if you're running a trick play, it means that you're really not all that confident in your offense. It means that you don't trust your offense to just be better than the defense. You're trying to catch them off guard. Like, I'm okay with the the rare trick play. But a first and goal at the two, just go play good ball. A first and 10 at the 10, like, with Case, it's a little bit different than Strat. I know, and it drives me nuts. I I hate trick plays for the most part. Did did you hate the J.J. Watt cat in the playoffs against the Chiefs? Remember that? Yeah, um, yeah, kind of. Like, you had a pretty good offense. There is, is akin to like that. I don't remember Watcat, but didn't you have Arian Foster? Like I remember Watcat, but I don't remember the personnel around Watcat. I'm pretty sure you had watch. a healthy Arian Foster. Like, do you want it first and goal at the two, and you're throwing passes to the All Pro defensive end, or do you want to hand it off to an All Pro running back? Because yeah, I don't know who was playing. In, if Dalton Schultz was playing in, in the game that they tried the, 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 the or thought about the, the play to Tunsil, I don't know who JJ Watt's tight end was. But at the same time, if 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 you got a better tight end that's playing in this game. It, you should be throwing to him and, and not Laramie Tunsil. But a point that Joe brought up and that we've all talked about, whether it's fourth and one or not. But this is also the crazy thing about how successful a Shanahan offense can be moving the ball down the field. And then all of a sudden, when it's a fourth and one play, they can't seem to figure out how to get one yard. Like you would think the tush push would have more success than anything Bobby Slowick's called on third and one, fourth and one. They struggle more getting one yard. Then they get chunk play offense. I don't want tush push with Stroud, though. <laughs> no, not with him. I, I get that. But I'm just saying, they always say, you know, it's first and nine because they can get a yard. Yeah. On the flip side, the Texans, it's like it's first and 11 because they can't get one or two. They can't. Brandon in the Woodlands, I haven't uh, liked Slowick this year at all. He hasn't shown he can make decisions under high-pressure moments. And your comment on him being cute is the example. Uh, I would say he's an adequate play caller. I, I don't want to lose Bobby Slowick. There's some, there's some areas that I would want to clean him up. Like I don't want him to be cute. Just just go have confidence in your offense. Let CJ Straw let CJ Stroud ball. Uh, try to improve the running game next year, which isn't all on Slowick. Like you don't have great running backs. You don't have a great offensive line that's good at, at run blocking. A lot of it's because of injury. I think Slowick's good. I think Slowick's good. I don't want to lose Slowick, but there are some things that that drive me nuts with Slowick. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. He's adequate. I I, I think to say anything more or less is is unfair. You're expecting more out of him year one. You shouldn't. I do think that they have better personnel at running back than maybe you do right there. But as far as being bad to at the same time, uh, it's not like this has been a massive issue. And again, they've been successful with a rookie quarterback. It deserves some credit. For I that. don't want to say that this yeah. is the, the best reason why you keep Bobby Slowick, but one of them is because you, you, we, we've seen the history of quarterbacks that change OCs and change playbooks from year to year, and it's not good. And also because Bobby's done enough good things to help CJ along the way to do what he's able to do that you got to believe these two first-time in the NFL guys are going to be better in year two. They, it should be. zero four four three. loved uh, D'Amico, but he always plays too conservative on teams we should beat. He should have uh, had more blitz packages on Flacco like coach holds the Texans back. Uh, I thought he showed some stubbornness the other day, too. And I want to get to that. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. Killer Bees with Paul on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.